Hello and welcome to this week's Talking Codswarp. Now, unfortunately, on this episode, I don't have either of my wonderful co-hosts, Gemma or Joanne, so you're going to have to put up with me. But being the great person I am, I have brought a wonderful guest on, a truly wonderful guest, uh, to have a chat with us. And we can learn more about this wonderful author, uh, Kristen Stovall. Kristen, how are you doing? Well, really well after that introduction. And I just want to check. I just want to check. I didn't butcher your surname, did I? What was that? I didn't butcher your surname, did I? When I pronounced it, you did not. You got it just right. <laughs> Excellent. So, Kristen, obviously, thank you for coming on to Talking Codswell to talk to us and tell us a bit about yourself. I always like to start out by saying, tell us your background. Where does your story begin, Kristen? Well, my story begins being a little girl in the Kansas countryside and just always dreaming of uh, far off places, adventures. I was always looking for a door to Narnia, like everywhere. There had to be (laughs) one somewhere. I was sure of this. (laughs) Oh, was it? So it wasn't Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz then? No, I had that too, but that involved a tornado and that hits a little (laughs) close to home when you live in Kansas. (laughs) I was also looking for doorways to Middle Earth as well because Mm. huge Tolkien fan. (laughs) And then I uh, grew up and I started doing stage and theater work and I realized I wanted to tell my own stories. It wasn't enough to just take a character that someone else had written, but I wanted to create my own characters and build from there. And graduated high school, did the thing where I met a young man and got married, and I thought I had my life set up. And then about a year and a half after we married, he uh, took his own life after dealing with chronic pain and depression for a while. Uh, so I was left going, oh my God, what do I do now? Everything I planned is gone. And that's where I came up with the concept of the Soulbound and turned that into a book, which turned into a trilogy and now a prequel. And now I've co-written a completely unrelated series. So it just sort of snowballed after that. Here I am. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear what happened with your husband, but obviously it's, you've done an amazing thing and taken something very difficult and made it into something positive. Interesting, when we're looking back at your earlier days, you mentioned a bit that you've been involved in sort of the creative arts. What, so when you were a little girl, what did you want to do? What did you, what was, did you, did you sort of said, what, you obviously mentioned creative things, but what did, what was you wanted to be? Who did you aspire to become? Well, when I was really little, my first memory is I wanted to be Robin Hood. Oh, nice. <laughs> See, <laughs> or I, Luke, or one of excellent. those. <laughs> I like it. I wanted to be Optimus Prime. So. Nice. nice. <laughs> you know, the, the details of the fact that I was a girl and there were no Jedi and also, you know, I didn't live anywhere near Sherwood Forest. The, none of these things stopped me up. I was going to be Robin Hood or Luke Skywalker, obviously. Well, but at least you had chosen sort of human attainable yeah, <laughs> characters. Yeah. I wanted a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to each their own. I did watch Transformers when I was little. I liked Excellent. Bumblebee. Yes. See, I when I was a kid, it wasn't so much Bumblebee. It was always Optimus Prime was like the coolest character to me. <laughs> The worrying is, robot. Yeah, worrying because I've got older, I find myself thinking that the, the Decepticons are the more interesting characters, actually. So, but I yeah. don't know. 
I always like the 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 uh, the villains in stories now. I find them yeah. far more interesting. They can be a lot of fun to write as well. I really enjoy them. <laughs> so obviously you'd wanted to to be those characters, which is very <laughs> very cool. I like that. Um, you obviously mentioned about the the, the reasons you got into to becoming a novelist uh, with the loss of your husband. But when it comes to your actual writing, who is it? That, that influences you? Are there any particular, you mentioned Tolkien. Are there any other sort of novelists you look at at all? To- There's another novelist named Juliet Marlier, and mm-hmm. I really, really love her work. I believe she's Australian, but I'm not entirely certain. I don't, I like what she writes. I don't stalk what she's doing in real life. So I'm like, I don't care where she's from. I like what <laughs> she's writing. <laughs> So I really enjoy her work. And what what was it that obviously with the difficult situation with with what had happened? What was it that made you particularly think, right, I'll start writing as a way of dealing with that? Well, I had started writing just for my own enjoyment uh, in my late teens and early twenties, and I had been doing that. And then I got sort of sidetracked by you know you leave the house you. Mm-hmm confronted with real life and bills and then, you know, getting married and the mortgage and all of those things. So once I got married, it just sort of kept getting pushed further and further back because Mm -hmm. I was, you know, busy dealing with those annoying real life concerns. (laughs) So I was going to say it's the horrible, the horrible reality becoming an adult. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And then once he was gone, I, I turned back to it. But it's always been this love of fantasy. I, I realize now, looking back, that even before I started writing, I was very much into storytelling. And I always wanted to read these books about far-off places and adventures and uh, almost exclusively fantasy, although I do read a few other things as well. I enjoy historical novels. I, I love to study ancient history. I love to study, study British history, actually. Yeah, the the um, prequel to my trilogy, I did take some inspiration from uh, what happened with, like, Arthur and Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I, I definitely took some inspiration from that in terms of all of those things. All those stuff plays out very differently for those characters. <laughs> Interesting. What particular, you were mentioning, obviously, the, like, of the periods of English history. What sort of periods do you... You mentioned Arthur, but obviously that's mythical. So what kind of particular periods uh, uh, interest you when it came to studying and looking at? Tudor. Excellent. Uh, Why Tudor? Anne Boleyn is my very favorite historical figure. I find Mm -hmm. her fascinating. I also find the changes in Henry VIII throughout his reign very fascinating and how much how much who he wanted at that time sort of dictated mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. his decision making. I, I just it's a very interesting period in your history. And then it brought about Elizabeth, which is also amazing. And just I, I really just I, I love a lot of the Renaissance things that were going on. You know, the way there was a shift in politics, in religion, just and how much it shaped the world today. It's it's so fascinating. Like on my bucket list is to get to Heaver Castle. That's huge on my bucket list. One day I'm going to go there. (laughs) So uh, I'm only I mean, when I was looking to to your work, let's hope I get a pronunciation right. The Fay Touch Chronicles. Have I pronounced that correctly? You did. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. So I've not mangled anything yet on my pronunciation. So no, no. 
that's a joint endeavor of work you do with Jennifer Sanders. And I'd love to know how did how does that kind of collaboration come about working with a different author? Well, we've known each other for over 20 years. And in fact, um, she was around when I was just a little baby writer cutting my teeth and a lot of because she's older than I am. So she she influenced me a great deal as well and, and influenced my writing style and how I developed. And we had written the first story just for fun as like a birthday present to me because I wanted to write something with her. And then I decided I this other character she created also needed a story. So then we wrote that, which ended up being the third book. And here uh, last year, I had kind of I was just sort of playing around with them. And I I messaged her and I was like, oh, you know, I was thinking about this character, Ross, and I think this is his story. And so we started talking about it and she goes, you know, these would make good books. And well, I've been wanting to do that for years, <laughs> but we can't just do his story. We'd have to do all of them. And that's where it started. And it's really fun the way we do it. We don't uh, take turns writing chapters or scenes. We each take characters and then we get in a shared document that we can interact in real time. And like if she's writing the male love interest I'll write the the female love interest and we'll literally just go back and forth in real time like as characters through like having the conversation or going through the action and of course we have to decide whose point of view we're in and what needs to happen in the scene but it's very it's interesting it's very collaborative it's very social I won't know what her character is going to say or how her character is going to react to what my character does and then it took place in Victorian Scotland. Uh, there's there's some stuff in London. It it takes place the first one. It would be the it's shortly after the last confirmed Jack the Ripper killing. So we did a lot of research and a lot of studying, and uh, we have a British friend, and we were like, okay, does this make sense? Is this how you talk? <laughs> you know, <laughs> does this work? And so she would go, no, 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 we don't say that. All right, all right, we're going to fix it. What do you say? <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. It was just so much fun. I miss those characters already. They're still in my head. I mean, as soon as you mentioned Jack the Ripper, that's the cat, one of the things that I find, the whole Jack the Ripper situation, yes. what happened, and the mythos that mythos rather, that's come from that, and right. also the fi- the role off of fiction that's come from that. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You you put that in front of me. I'm I'm happy as Larry for for reading anything <laughs> about that at all. It really keeps me me focused. Now it was interesting when you talk about you take turns on writing different characters, you know, different genders. Who do you find easiest to write, a female protagonist or a male protagonist? Um, to a degree, it depends on the character in the story. But I do tend to really enjoy writing male characters. Uh, which is funny because in the Fae Touch Chronicles, like my co-author wrote most of them. I only wrote the the leading man for the second book, mm-hmm. and then then she made me pick up some of the characters she usually plays for some of the others, and I would be like, "But I don't know how to make him like him." <laughs> <laughs> but I really I enjoy writing the male characters. I think I enjoy writing each character in their own way, though. And what? Because obviously, again, I return to this, the thing of both your writing uh, the the novel what's the most challenging aspect of it uh it's often depends on the book some of them they just flow and it, mm-hmm. it's just perfect others sometimes the beginning 
I often find the beginning the most challenging aspect, just because the the heart of the story is later on that I want to get to all of the action or the, the dramatic scenes. Those are later on. But the beginning, you have to get all of the setup and you have to make sure all of those pieces are fit correctly so that you can make sure that what you have planned later makes sense. Mm-hmm. So now, that's that, always the most challenging to me. You've almost, cause you've, uh, I love it when this happens. You preempted a question, which is I was kind of wondering <laughs> when you've got this, you've got like a, tri- a you know, a trilogy of larger on something you're writing. Do you start with just like saying, okay, this is exactly where we want it to end? Um, or it's, yeah, I was intrigued on the way you're you when you were mentioning that. I was always wondering, do you go right? This is exactly how it's going to end, or can you find yourself working on the principle of having that ending? Then things will change as you're writing. I'm one who usually has to have things sort of very outlined. I do leave some up to chance. With the trilogy, I knew that it could have one of two endings, and I did not decide which ending until I was almost done with the second book. So it's a little bit dependent upon the project, but I tend to need to know what's going to happen. There are authors who can just sort of uh, write on the fly and their characters take over and you know, they don't necessarily know where it's going to end. I am not one of those, and I have to write linearly. I have to write in order. If I don't know what happened before, then I'm going to be completely lost later <laughs> on. Like, it, it has to be very organized in my brain. And the other thing is, I know that if I skip to the parts I really want to write, I will never go back and write those things that are so important that build the foundation, because they're not as much fun to write. <laughs> so. But yeah, I uh, I definitely outline. I usually know the ending. If I don't know the exact ending, I know what the options are. And then as I go and as the story develops, I know which one needs to be the one that I go with. As someone who's not a writer, I have to ask the question. You hear about like athletes, you hear about musicians. Prior to you doing all your writing, do you have a warm-up sort of exercise you do to get yourself in the zone? Uh, yeah, I usually listen to a lot of cinematic music. Yeah, if it match, if I'm going to be writing a sad scene, I'll listen to this sort of sad, dramatic music. If it's action, I'll listen to like this very upbeat, like battle music, you know, anything like that that works for that scene. And then for love scenes, I will go listen to sappy love songs. <laughs> ah, so what's what is your sappy love song of choice then? It depends on the characters. They each have, each couple has their own song that fits their romance, that fits their personalities. So it absolutely depends on their characters. Now with like the, with the action scenes, I have ones that I'll tend to gravitate toward. But with the love songs, it always, it differs per couple. Um, yeah, because I'm trying to think like for me, yeah, there are certainly specific pieces of music. We actually had a wee bit of a conversation before we did recording, didn't we? Where I <laughs> su- sent you a suggestion of a piece of music to listen to. So, yeah, there are certain And I things, did. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm hoping it worked. Yes, I always yeah, yeah. have li- little choices of music, I guess, for myself if I think about <laughs> it. But I'm doing things that will pump me up. Like I've got to give a speech when I've done that in the past. There'll be something I'll choose for that that'll, that'll yeah. get me. Get me prepared for it. One of the things I really, really like on your website is you have these little videos which ah. go with the with the novels. And I've not really seen that on that many sites. 
So do you, uh, I mean, it really sells the whole experience and the process of the novel. That's like a <laughs> really you. cool little thing. How much involvement do you actually have in the little little movies that are on? I make them myself. Wow. <laughs> I have okay. video editing software and I make them. And it's it's one of those things where I can still be working on the books in some way, but it's very detail oriented. You time it out. You look at, you know, this clip needs to go and start at this moment to match the music and uh, this clip works with this background. It's sort of very soothing to me to just sit there and do that detail oriented focused work. And I think that that's where like my background in theater and um, just love of the cinema help. And um, Well, they're really good. And do you get a say in the, cause obviously using something like, well, in fact, uh, this is what I always wanted to ask you know, someone who writes, the, the the models on the covers. Do you get any say in who they are? Do you have? Do you get to like do a proof viewing of what's going out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, oftentimes, now with the trilogy and with the prequel, I actually made the cover for the prequel, the front cover. I did that myself. And then for the trilogy, the Song of Souls trilogy, my sister did those. And it's actually her and her husband in some of the pictures, but just heavily edited. Uh, and then for the Fae Touch Chronicles, yes, we, we had absolute full say in what the characters looked like. In fact, we would go to these websites where you can look at the, the models and look at the clothes and all of that. And we would find the ones that we liked and then send them to the cover artist and she would put them together. So usually put the faces on the the different bodies with the appropriate clothing. Because the one that I really like uh, for the, the Fate Touch Chronicles, and I found it, it was so interesting today because I knew I was going to be talking to you, was the Lady <laughs> the Lot one. Because I'm thinking, great, oh, interesting Loch Ness Monster sort of stuff. Yeah. And then today, I don't know if you've seen on the news, they're saying it, it could be, I mean, I'll, I'll put, you know, air quotes, could be plausible the Loch Ness Monster could exist because of some sort of some kind of fossilized stuff they found oh, around. Cool. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that yet today. It might take a little while to filter over across the pond. <laughs> so, uh, no, I love, I've always loved stories of Nessie, and I've just decided I don't care what they ever prove or disprove, I'm going to believe in it, because <laughs> I want to. I want that little bit of the fantastic to exist. I like it. I like that. It's a very positive way of, way of looking <laughs> at the things. So you obviously created a trilogy of novels, which is the Song of the Souls uh, novels, and that yeah. was you on your own. So yeah. we've discussed what it's like when you've worked with uh, Jennifer Sanders. What is the the difficulty of working alone? The positives and the negatives you say, if it, if it being completely your baby at that point and it's, it's all in your hands. Yeah. Um, the positives are that I can be very, very structured and work on the time that I want to work. I have I when I'm writing on my own, I keep business hours for my writing and I have a word goal that I hit every day and I can't really impose that on my co-author. And, and that can get very frustrating for me because I'm I'm a goal oriented person. So if I set a goal, I'm much more likely to be efficient in my work habits. Uh, I, I also enjoy that, like, I get to have all the say in what happens. <laughs> <laughs> And it gets to just be my world and my creation. And I also tend to want to write much more in the 
fantasy genre. Like that's where I want to be. That's where I'm comfortable. I did enjoy with the Fae Touch Chronicles, the fact that it, it pushed me and stretched me outside of my comfort zone. So I enjoyed that aspect. And I enjoy the social aspect of, of writing with somebody. Uh, when it comes to writing on my own, I also tend to write much longer books because I want, I don't like to read short books. I want a big book where I get to be like yeah. with those characters for a long time. Probably the one I enjoyed doing the most was the prequel to the Song of Souls trilogy, which is The Twisted Path. And that one, that one's a big one. <laughs> that one is uh, very uh, thick. <laughs> I swear, Kristen, you must be like doing mind reading with me. I just wanted <laughs> to ask you about creating a prequel. So you've obviously got the books you've written. Is, is creating a prequel more challenging or is it uh, more rewarding? I mean, how do you... How do you pull all that together? Because you've obviously you'd written out the, the 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 trilogy. Does it become a bit difficult? Do you ever find yourself sort of going, "Oh God, I can't put that part because it might uh, cause me an issue with something I've already written"? Or I'm I'm intrigued. How do you how how uh, how is a prequel uh, put together? Well, in in the case of this prequel, it does take place about 200 years before, so there is some wiggle room because uh, titles can change, where you know people lived change in 200 years, and it's sort of set in a medieval type time. So, you know, record keeping wasn't super amazing and efficient <laughs> there, so it's it's, com it's completely plausible that there would be some details that would be different and some things that would change through the course of, of 200 years. I knew a lot of what happened in the prequels as I was writing the trilogy. So more so I was building the trilogy, knowing that that lore existed, knowing that those people existed. I didn't know their names. I didn't know some of the details of what they went through, but I knew, I knew the broad strokes of the story. And then those small details, like the intimate details of the characters, don't necessarily apply to what happens 200 years later in a world. Because you know, those characters and that group of people, they don't know the intimate details. True, yeah. yeah, but it was, it was my favorite to write in terms of I had made just sort of this developmental leap as an mm -hmm. author. And... I was just in the zone. It was an almost 600 page book once I got done and I wrote the first draft in three months. I just, I was in the zone. Like I couldn't put it down. I knew where these characters needed to go and I had them sort of mentally cast, which I always do. I always have the characters mentally cast with actors or face models. And uh, actually get to meet the uh, actor who I mentally cast as the leading man in the prequel in just a little over a week. Oh, can I ask who? Can you tell me more? I can. Um, his name is Toby Regbo, mm -hmm. British actor. So um, I, he just fit the, the character perfectly. It's, and for me, it's not just their physical appearance. It's also something they'll give in a performance and, I've always felt that he gives a sort of quiet intensity, which was very important for that character. So he's going to get a book handed over to him in like in a, in a little over a week. It's at this uh, limited ticket event about three hours from where I live. And I actually found out about it because of a book club who read the book 
because they one of the members had seen uh, the cover and said, oh, that could be Toby Regbo. And I mean, it was just somebody from behind. So, like, mm. they couldn't really see his face. It, it was just because I, I did that cover and you just see the hair in the back. And I went, ha ha, funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then so then this book club decided to read it. And then I did. I said, well, if you guys do, let me know and I will. I'd be happy to do a video chat with you when you, you meet to discuss it. So I got to do that. And then they told me about this group that uh, does these these events and said that he would be attending one this summer and I should go. And now I am. So it's really funny. I'm actually going to meet him because of his fans. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. That's a really good thing. I mean, well, uh, it kind of ties into what my next question was going to be, which is you obviously have attended conventions, you go into things like that. What's your interaction with your fan base like? I'm just now getting to the point where I, you know, I am hearing, oh, I've heard of these. And then at my last convention, which was a local one, I was sitting at my table and working, you know, just talking to people as they went. And this young woman came up and oh, she was like, oh, I'm reading that right now. And I went, are you enjoying it? She goes, oh, yeah, I love it. And I was like, well, that makes me happy to hear. And, and then I don't know what came up. And I but I said, oh, yeah, no, I wrote it. And she went, you're the author. And her eyes got huge. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, and, she, and she went, oh, I got it at our local coffee shop. And bookstore and I went oh yeah I love that place it's a great place to treat me really well it's my favorite place in town and she went you live here <laughs> like yeah like five minutes from here <laughs> so that was a really fun experience it, it's always really it's overwhelming and humbling and thrilling when somebody like says that your work impacted them and right now I'm still at the point where when people do that I'm like I'm just me. I'm just a yeah. big dork. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> my brain is just like, why are you excited to meet me? <laughs> you know, it's not, it doesn't click in that I'm exciting to meet. <laughs> well, the simple answer is you've created, <laughs> you've created something wonderful. That's why people like the interaction with you. Thank it's, you. <laughs> so you've had the experience of someone being sort of like you know having a, a, a the, the fan moment of being awestruck meeting you <laughs> have you ever had that yourself with with somebody um y yes although i tend to try to play it very cool and just treat them like a person but mm -hmm. i did get to meet billy boyd who played Pippin wow. in the the rings and he's my favorite hobbit i went to a convention this was back when i just went i was just attending just mm -hmm. for fun and um it, that was really, really cool. He was so awesome and so sweet. And I'm I'm hoping I'll also be able to play it cool when I meet Toby Regpo. Mm, <laughs> I'm sure you I'm will. Sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure confident. you'll do it. <laughs> but I am going to – he actually does know that I based this character off of him. Um, so – you know, hopefully when I hand him the book, he'll remember. And I, I'm just going – I'm attending just – to attend this is not something i'm doing professionally i'm just going because i want to go and and um i get to meet some of these ladies from that book club face to face and i'm i'm as excited about meeting them as meeting toby so because they're just they're very cool ladies <laughs> yes, that's always wonderful to hear. now 
prior to this, I think I've had a, a little bit of a, you know, the door's open. I've seen a little chink into this, a chink of light and information into this. But I was going to say, you talk about the writing process. You talk about the fact that, you know, you, you keep these strict hours to focus yourself. And you, the, the, what I wanted to know is how do you keep the energy levels up? Now, I have a theory from something I've read that it's, it's sugar-based products that will keep <laughs> going. From, from a little conversation we had, I've, you know, I'm giving the, the salty tadpoles, the listeners, a, uh, an indication to a conversation we had prior to recording, which is we talk about uh, keeping our energy levels up with sugar. Is this definitely <laughs> the case then, Kristen? <laughs> Than sugar anymore. Oh, I'm, I'm so. <laughs> but like I said, I'm not eating. I'm not. I'm trying not to eat a lot of sugar anymore. Mm-hmm. But I do have my little rewards. I get to have my little reward if I did good. You know, if I did a. If I did a good job, I get my, <laughs> my reward for the day. I usually have. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, if I have to do something really mean to a character or kill one, I'm like, I have to have wine for this. <laughs> the wine. Is here the tissues on the other side so that's a that's a really interesting thing so when you talk about because obviously you am as the author of the creator of these characters you'll become invested in them and we as readers when certain things will happen to them will have an emotional response so if you have to do something that's kind of going to be going to be life changing or you know earth shattering to a character does it become a, a kind of like a moral battle within you about how you're going to do it or are you like nope i've got to do this it's the process and you just power through well when it comes to writing mean things putting my characters through hell that those are my favorite parts to write (laughs) excellent (laughs) i think a lot of authors that's the case we get to like let out our frustrations on our characters when it comes to uh killing off a character and with the prequel i got far more attached to some characters that i had to kill off. I knew I had to kill them off. I got far more attached to them than I thought I was going to. And that was really, really hard. And I will, I mean, I will be sitting at my computer sobbing while I'm, I'm writing this while they're, you know, while a character's dying, I'll just be sitting there. Like I've had like the next day I'll come back and there'll be these little tear stains on my computer. (laughs) And I just, and then when I edit them, I, I sob all over again. <laughs> and I just, it does get really hard. And what's interesting is I always hear my character's voices, not in a like psychotic way, but I, you know, I know what they sound like. Mm. I can hear them speaking when I write lines and everything. And once I kill off a character and I finish that final editing wash, I won't hear them anymore. And it's really sad. Like there's just this silence where that character's voice used to be. So it's really, it's it's a little sad to say goodbye to them in that way and to feel that absence because my characters become very, it's like they exist in a little green room inside my head. And I know, you know, who they are and, and what they want. And occasionally something will happen. And like, I'll just know that a character would react to such and such in, in, a certain way and yeah they, they stick with me i do love my characters they stick with me and do you ever find it that if there's a character you particularly don't like the writing do you ever base it on people you don't like and use it as a <laughs> way of, <laughs> a way of punishment <laughs> and vice versa <laughs> vice versa it's just someone you might like that you base it on <laughs> i do have a few 
few that I've based on friends. Um, mm-hmm. Loosely, you can get caught very easily in your own head when you base it too closely on someone because then you start to think, oh, but would my friend react this way? So you have to, while they will be based on my friends, I also will tell my friends, one, that this character is based off of them, but then say they're based off of you. So just because you might react a certain way in that situation, it doesn't mean that that character will react that way because I need that character to react in the way that serves the story. Uh, but there are a few that are based off friends. I have yet to base any off of enemies. <laughs> I don't really have that many enemies. Like I tend to just try to love everybody mm-hmm. and not not dislike anyone. I think it's really important to act from a place of love with everybody. Um, but I have jokingly threatened. <laughs> jokingly threatened to kill people in books. <laughs> I'm going to make you a character and kill you. <laughs> It's generally like with a friend and, and they're just being ornery. So I'm being ornery right back. <laughs> it reminds me somewhat of one of my friends who will occasionally, he only writes things as, you know, fan fiction style stuff. But he once said to me, I've been thinking about writing a story based around you. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And he said, <laughs> it's kind of going to be like Groundhog Day. I'm like, okay, go on. But it's going to be you going like waking up and say alternate universes and and, so, and and something will kill you in every single universe. Oh, and I was like, I don't know there to be, you know, happy about the fact and flattered that you wanted to write something about me or concerned. That you want to kill me repeatedly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that would be awkward. But usually what I get when I say that is people are like, yes, do it. Write me mm. in a book and kill me. And I'm like, it's a little disturbing how that you are. <laughs> yeah, my comment to my friend was like, well, okay, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess that'll be all right. As long as you're not playing out some fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like if I was sat on my own in a room with him, I'm thinking, can I turn my back? Is it going to be safe for me to do this? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've not written, I've not killed any characters that were based on friends. I kind of tend to have a rule where if it's based on a friend, I don't want to kill them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean That's I won't good. maim them terribly. <laughs> I, I might maim them terribly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, maiming's all right. It's not the full, yeah. you know, you don't come with the I had one. Uh, my wizard in the trilogy is based off a very dear friend of mine who was just so supportive after my husband died and I told him, Hey, my, my wizard is based off of you. And he's actually ended up being a bit of a fan favorite and he gets hurt in one of the books. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to hurt you really bad in this book. <laughs> he's like, all right. <laughs> I was just about to say, how did it go down? <laughs> he was absolutely on board with it. <laughs> yeah. The wizard has a beagle for a familiar and this friend of mine has a beagle. So, that's it's pretty he knows it's absolute the character is absolutely based off of him and the dog is absolutely based off of his dog <laughs> so now i also wanted to ask you Kristen, because you mentioned obviously you, you try and stay away from the sugary stuff but you uh keep yourself energized with coffee and anybody who knows me i have a major caffeine addiction so <laughs> what is your coffee how, how do you normally take your coffee when you're powering through the day I usually have my coffee with some non-dairy, or not non-dairy, it is non-dairy, but it's also sugar-free cream. 
-hmm. So a little bit of coffee and cream and no sugar added. And that's what I, I use Italian sweet cream creamer, mm -hmm. but it's sugar free. So that's usually, I also put it in my tea though. I just really like the Italian sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big tea drinker. <laughs> See, I've had um, friends tell me I was born on the wrong continent. They're like, well, you really should have been born over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, thinking. I I'm see, I sound terrible because obviously I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the UK. I'm, I'm in England, and we're known to be a nation of tea drinkers. But I don't drink tea. All I drink is coffee. Um, yeah. It's it's never appealed to me. But I have my coffee black and incredibly strong. So. <laughs> One of the presents I, I was bought, it was my birthday last month, and one of the presents loads of people got me was coffee, like huge amounts of coffee, so they know me <laughs> incredibly well. And I saw one of my friends recently, and he got me like about, I think it was about eight or nine, you know, proper bags of coffee. And I said, yeah, I'm down to my last one. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to have two in the morning, because I, I also have trouble sleeping at night, because that's when my creativity kicks in is I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden my brain is going, Hey, I've got an idea. Are you sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very strict about when I stop drinking caffeine in the day, because otherwise I'm even more likely to be up all night. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling is a spent many do all too well, where you'll be in bed just about to drift off and some idea will hit you. It's like, yep. <laughs> It's been pretty bad lately because I'm really excited about this thing I'm going to. And uh, just this will be the first time I get to meet an actor face to face who in some way unknowingly helped me write a book who in my head, that is this character. That's what this character looks like. That's what they sound like. So it's I'm really, really excited. So I think that's going to be a, wonder, a wonderful experience. Yeah, that sounds really, I'm really good. I hope I'm I don't really do anything good. silly like cry in front of him. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I doubt you will, but I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, I've been to conventions yeah. and things. I've seen the whole gamut of the way people react to, to yeah. people. It's it's always it's always a, I'm sure it's always flattering to the to yeah. the person to see a positive response. So you mentioned that you can be kept awake. Uh, the ideas can hit. Do you go and straight put them down on a pad? Do you do you like? I'm going to sound old, but you dictaphone them. How do you how do you use that creativity? I usually just have an incredibly good memory, and it's as I've written more books, it's gotten even better. Uh, my co-author, like we write, we'll sit and write outlines, and my brain will just remember what we've written. I'm astounded. I, I, I can't remember <laughs> Jack. It's I'd be screwed. <laughs> I will sometimes, if there's like a specific line of dialogue in my head that I've just come up with and I need that specific dialogue to be preserved, I will write it. I'll grab my phone, which is generally on the little nightstand next to my bed because it's also my alarm clock. I'll mm -hmm. grab it and I'll write in a text draft, usually to someone that I like a family member. So if I do accidentally send it, I can just be like, oh, this was just dialogue. Don't just ignore it. But I'll just save it in a text draft. And then the next morning when I'm up and at my computer I'll pull up the draft and look and see what it was or put it in a word document to save for later if I'm not at that point in the story yet and then I'll just delete the text draft but I that's about the only time that I will make sure I record mm -hmm. what I wanted that character to say now if it's something I'm collaborating with um if I get an idea in the middle of the night I'll grab our little uh 
conversation on Facebook and I'll type it in there and send it to her. So then she also knows the idea or in the morning we can discuss it because if we're collaborating, I can't just say we're doing this just because I had the idea. So, but that's generally, I just sort of keep it in my brain. I don't know how I do it, but I do. <laughs> it's a hell of a good trick. You got to remember people's names as well. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd said yes, I would have just been like, no, you're too good. Cause you can remember stuff <laughs> and you can remember names. Cause I names is, well, I can't remember anything. Names are really, have <laughs> always been a hard one for me. Faces. I'm great. I'm like, yeah, I know that person. But that's yeah, about I'm, all I've got. <laughs> if it's if it's someone I've met only once or twice, then no, I'm not going to remember their name. If it's someone I see on a regular basis, I will remember their name. I think it's just because what's happened now is that my brain prioritizes the stuff I've made up and mm. <laughs> the stories, yep, yep. and I just need to keep <laughs> all of that in my head. And then when it comes to like real life things, like if I have to remember a date, nope, it goes straight in my phone because I will not remember it. I will not remember the date or the time. I will have to check it 50 times before it happens. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, as long as it's something based in one of my books, I'll remember it. <laughs> Except if it's like a city name or how to spell a minor character's name. I always have to go back and look at those things. I go, okay, that's interesting. What I Interesting that, that those pose a problem. Um, yeah. Out of interest, when you made the decision to, to become an author, what were people's reactions like, you know, like family, friends, things like that? Because you sometimes hear people who go into like the creative industries, people almost take a step back. So they're like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? What was the, the reaction from people around you? Because it sounds like from what you said, people are generally very positive, certainly friends yeah. when you've told them, you were yeah. going to base characters on them. Even when you may do sort of strange things, those characters, they've still <laughs> all been very supportive. Was it a yeah. similar experience when you said, this is what, what I want to do, this is what I want to make my life? I, I don't think I started with, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to make my life. It started with, I'm writing this book. <laughs> hmm. uh, my family and close friends were very supportive. There was, I, I, there was a point where it, it was obvious that in some way it was sort of viewed as this was my hobby and not for real. And that, you know, as the books are gaining success, as I'm publishing more books, mm. uh, there has been that shift. And there have been times where I've clashed with people where I'm like, no, this is my job. I can't just not do it this day. If you don't understand, if I don't do it, there's nobody to pick up the slack. This is what I do. Um, so there's that. Uh, once some more of an acquaintance uh, said something along the lines of, oh, I could never do that because there's no security in it. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> you know, that's fine. But it's for me, it's it's never been a matter of if they're successful, but when. Mm. Because I didn't want to leave that window for not doing it, for not pushing, for not making it work. And I think you've you hit the nail on the head of why you've been successful with it. You've set, you've, but it, but it, you know, be honest, it's the fact you've set out the stone. You've said, right, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. Because the comment you just made then of, I don't know if I could work without the security. It's very interesting. There's there's somebody, my family, and I know who's an author, and somebody had made the same comment. They said, I don't know if I could do it because they lack of security. 
but also you have said this will work. This is the the way I'm going to do it. And yeah, you've done very well with with it, and you're creating some wonderful things. So Thank you. I can see I can see why that's happened because you have you've gone for the brass ring. You've said that's what my my <laughs> yeah. result will be. Yeah, I'm I'm a goal oriented person, and I've for a while I had people saying that I was competitive, and I was like, no, this I'm not. I'm not competitive. I'm not competing with anyone. I have a goal and I will get blinders and I'll go after that goal just like crazy. But I'm not noticing what other people are. I'm not paying any attention to the fact that maybe someone else is trying to to win. I just I have this goal I want to go after and I'm not even like focusing on anything but getting to what it is I've set for myself. So I'm very goal oriented. If somebody wants me to do something, just give me a goal, and then I'll be like, I'm locked in. We're doing this. <laughs> and using using the the goal analogy, uh, if you could work with so anyone, joint author with anybody at all, past, present, you know, who would it be? It would be the person I have already gotten to work with, Jennifer Sanders, because I just the, the friendship has meant so much to me and developing and everything. It's so getting to write those books with her was big for me just because I I respect her so much and I love interacting with her and creating with her. So that was always writing something with her was always like top on my list. And well, the fact you've done it, that, Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. So Anyone else I think I'd be absolutely intimidated by. Uh, like if it was Juliet Marley or Tolkien, I would just sort of go and hide. I'd be like, no, no, I can't. I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> so if we took you out of the, the fantasy genre, what what else would you kind of like to write about? Is there any kind of a, the uh, novels that you would you would you would like to focus on? maybe historical fiction Mm -hmm. I could enjoy that uh, because it does still I I have found I don't like to write things in modern times I'm Mm -hmm. like I live here I work here this is not interesting to me (laughs) so it would uh, definitely be I think historical fiction I would enjoy that interesting interesting yeah I think that could be a good thing I mean, I do find that kind of area interesting. I like the kind of offshoot stuff because you can. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about the chat, the Ripper style stuff, the amount of, the, the ways you can sort of play with and work with things of that nature. Yeah. Would be, would be interesting. And it, um, assuming from what we've already kind of discussed and what you've said, you will probably be looking on this side of the pond, possibly more than your side of the pond for, for things <laughs> to write about. Yes. All of my characters have British accents in my head. <laughs> Can't blame you. We've got one. I cannot blame you. We've got wonderful. We've got a wonderful act. We've got wonderful accents here. We've got an interesting mixture of them, uh, depending on where you go in the country. Um, Yeah. Well, and I also like the Irish accent as well. Ah. Basically, just all over there. I would. I just. I was just sitting here the other day thinking, I wish I lived there instead of here. And then I live in Kansas where we have mm-hmm. a, a slight twang, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I'm sure that you're hearing it, but I try very hard to not have it. Um, and <laughs> it's funny half the time because I watch a lot of British shows as well. And I'll start like just without even thinking about it, 
using the accent, and then I'm like, wait, nope, nope, I'm not from there. <laughs> so, what which British shows do you watch? Oh, Doctor Who, for one. I, I love that. In fact, it was a piece of music from Doctor Who that gave me the inspiration for the scene that started my first book. Wow. <laughs> Um, I really love, I watched Downton Abbey for a bit, Mm -hmm. and then I got annoyed when they killed off a certain character, and now I'm shunning. (laughs) (laughs) Although I still go and look and watch, you know, I peek and see what's going on. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Some of them, like, they'll they'll be sort of British-based, but I'm not sure that they're filmed there. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, what are some of the other ones? I liked the, I think it was made for TV movie, North and South. Uh, BBC's The Musketeers. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. They had a Robin Hood series that I enjoyed. The BBC I, I did, yeah. Like that one. Uh, I get very annoyed because it seems like many of your shows, the ones that I like, only have like three seasons, and I'm not <laughs> ready to say goodbye. <laughs> And they suddenly, either, yeah, they only have three seasons or they suddenly get cancelled. I so, know. <laughs> I get so frustrated with that. <laughs> so with Doctor Who, I'm going to indulge uh, the, the question because I, I, have, I have some uh, interesting Doctor Who. Are you the OG original Doctor Who stuff or are you the newer Doctor Who that you prefer? I was introduced to it with the newer ones. Uh, ah, the yeah. first Doctor I watched was Christopher Eccleston. Mm-hmm. And then David Tennant is a favorite of mine. Love him. Love him. Uh, also, I really love Catherine Tate. So when she was briefly <gasps> a companion, I was so psyched. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's Catherine Tate. I got to meet her. Uh, really? At convention. Yes, it was. And it, what was funny is we were actually going to meet a voice actor. Uh, and when we got there, we realized Catherine Tate was one of the guests. Well, we were walking by and there was like this table and nobody was really lined up and it was early on in the day. I think that was why. And my friend goes, who actually happens to be my co-author, we went together and she was like, is that, is that Catherine Tate? It's like, Heather, don't look, don't look. And we're sort of we're like covertly <laughs> glancing, like tearing to play, go, don't look, don't look. And then pretty soon her handler comes up and, and he goes, would you like to meet Catherine Tate? And we went. Can we do that? (laughs) (laughs) So they dragged us over there and she like grabbed our cell phones and was taking selfies with us and just was absolutely wonderful to me and just a a complete delight. Um, I big fan of Patrick Stewart's as well. He was my introduction to Shakespeare. I remember when he was playing Captain Picard, Picard was quoting Shakespearean lines and I was maybe in second grade and my brain went, what he is doing is important. What is he doing? What is I looked over at my dad and I said, what is he doing? What is he saying? And he goes, well, he's quoting Shakespeare. And my br- I was just like, wow. From that moment on, totally loved Shakespeare. He's, so. he's something else, Patrick Stewart. And I've, I do like Doctor Who. Um, I'm going to be honest, I prefer Star Trek more. I'll probably get shot by some of the people I know uh, hearing this. They will not be too happy. Uh, but yeah, with Patrick Stewart, I mean, I've always liked his stuff in Star Trek. I've loved the new run he's done with Picard. That's been very interesting. But annoyingly, and I can tell you this, when I moved here where I live, I found out rather later on that Patrick Stewart actually lived, he had a holiday home near me. 
<laughs> but oh. I never, I've never seen him. But I was telling um, somebody recently I worked with who went, yeah, we'd we'd seen walking around town. I'm like, how the hell? Have, <laughs> how did I never see him? And then he, I found out he moved. And his house oh, went up for sale. <laughs> to oh, the post. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I think it would be amazing to meet him. I I don't know that I ever will, but I think it would be amazing. And I would absolutely tell him, man, you introduced me to Shakespeare. But I do remember watching, oh, it was way back Excalibur. That oh, King yes. Like, it's an older one. I remember watching that and thinking it was mildly terrifying when I was little. But, you know. I know exactly what you mean. Excalibur <laughs> does have some scary bits in it. That will, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's mildly terrifying. And I scare easily and even more so when I was a little kid. So it's just but I loved it anyway because there were swords and, and Arthurian legend and, and all of that. But it, it was mildly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, for me as a child, it was the, the Arthurian legend parts. Yeah. But I also remember it had scary parts. It also had naughty parts in. There's a it child. I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't allowed to see the naughty parts. I was. <laughs> <laughs> as I got older, I was like, wow, there are naughty parts in this. Bits <laughs> in here. That I was not aware of. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask the 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 question I uh, I always like to ask, which is, what future endeavors projects do you have that you can tell us about, Kristen? Well, I am going to be returning to the world of the Song of Souls trilogy for something that takes place shortly after the end of the trilogy with the new set of characters. In fact, I had to write the prequel first because it takes place in a country that is that is introduced in the prequel and i am also currently at the beginning stages of co-writing a next generation robin hood story with jennifer sanders whoa so, yeah can you tell us a bit about that I mean, uh, you, got, you, you got me on the, the you carried on with the you know what you already said but as soon yeah. as you mentioned robin hood like you know you can't see me but i'm doing the old hands in the air thing <laughs> uh well we're uh it's going to be a trilogy the trilogy is called sherwood R- rising sherwood sherwood how do you pronounce it over there is it sherwood or sherwood sure. that's a very good question i suspect it depends on somewhere you depends on where you are but i would say right. robin of sherwood sherwood all right okay. yeah. yeah somebody's gonna somebody will, will correct me i'm sure to tell me i'm, I'm pronouncing sure it wrong very, yeah very different based on uh the regional Sh- accent Sherwood? Yeah, we'll go with Sherwood. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas here we say Sherwood or Sherwood. So I tend more towards Sherwood. But uh, yeah, so it's it it will be following Robin's child and some other characters. But it's the first book is called Wolf's Head. And that's the one we're just we're just starting on now. She's she's working on another project. And we we got a whole series out. I. From I went from having three published books to having five in like the span of a year. So I'm a little creatively exhausted. <laughs> so we're very just sort of in the beginning stages and setting it up and dabbling a little bit. We have two days a week that we meet up and, and work on it. And, um, you know, it's so it's 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 coming along. Don't want to say too much about it so far, but it is based on it follows Robin Hood's child and. Some uh, children of some other historical figures, 
that are not historically, <laughs> the children are not historically based, but it does follow them as well. <laughs> that sounds inc- that that sounds good. Robin Hood was one of the first things I actually remember reading as a, a child and, and getting into that world. So it'll be interesting to see how you can expand that and and uh, yeah, look at it for a whole new generation. So and we, uh, we are incorporating some fantasy elements in it as well. Even better. Yeah, we both enjoy having uh, some of those in there. But I've, I've always loved Robin Hood. My mom was actually a, an archery state champion. So I kind of grew up with, you know, knowing a bit about archery and everything. And I'm not as good as she was back in the day. But it was, it was always fun. I was always making little bows and air, like bows out of sticks I found. <laughs> It was it was swords and sword fighting for me, and I can promise yeah. you, you will knock spots off me when it comes to archery, because it ain't gonna happen with me. <laughs> it would not work. It it yeah, get very swords. messy very quickly. I love the swords as well. I collect swords actually. Really? So I, yeah, I love them. I have a Robin of Loxley sword. It's based off of, and I didn't know this when I when I got it. I just thought the sword was cool but it's actually based off of uh the loxley sword in robin hood prince of thieves i had no mm-hmm. idea i just watched it again the other day and i was like hey i have that sword <laughs> <laughs> and i got really excited for a few minutes because uh alan rickman as the sheriff of nottingham was amazing he's like he steals every every second he is on screen he just he commands it like that Right there. I watched that movie just to watch him in that role. He's so good in it. The wonderful Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, where strangely Robin Hood has an American accent. That's an American oh, accent. Yeah. But every oh. once in a while, he does, he'll does. he say something like he's trying a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, give it up, Kevin. Give it up. This, no one's convinced by this. Just you give it up, man. <laughs> yeah, I just think own was... that you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually a, done roles where I had to have a British accent, so that was interesting. <laughs> it was fun. It's, it, yeah, it's uh, accents are always an interesting thing to try. They either work wonderfully, or they the 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 uh, they can slightly get a bit muddled. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then you know, here in America, we always think of like that the the very aristocratic London clip. That's what we think when we say, or yeah, that that's when we say British accent. That is where our brain has gone. <laughs> yeah, you think it, I suspect you're all thinking very very RP in the in the pronunciation yeah. of yeah. any very perfect vowel sounds and whatnot. Yes. Um, so how can we just uh, with regard to your future works? You obviously told us about that, but where are we able to? to we will put in some links obviously for you, but are there anything you'd like to just mention that we can? that uh, our listeners can can have a look at you on your website address, things like that? Yeah, if they go to Boundless Fantasy Books uh, at Wix.com, they can find all of my books there, all of the trailers. I just uploaded the latest one that, that got finished, and that was for the prequel. Oh, just hit my microphone. And um, I'm on Facebook, the Boundless Fantasy page. That's the one I'm the best at updating and keeping people and news and anything happening there because it's just really convenient uh, with the website i actually have to go into the building part and put it in so it's a little bit more t- 
trying. I am on Instagram. I am grudgingly on Twitter and I am grudgingly on TikTok. I don't do as much as I should on those, but the best places are Facebook, Instagram, and the website. And that's where you can find me. And all of my books can be purchased on Amazon. And soon all of them will be available on in digital form on multiple, multiple platforms. Many of them already are. But I had to wait until they were on. The, the trilogy was on Kindle Unlimited, which is sort of like Netflix for books. Uh, but when they're on that platform you can't have a wide release so you can't have them on other digital platforms but that's about to end and then they, they will be going wide digital so they'll be on like barnes and noble and pretty much any of barnes and noble is big here but uh, pretty much any of the larger bookstores or like google apple all of those they'll be available there as well well that's well i want to say a huge Thank you for coming on, Chrissy. I have enjoyed this and I hope you have too. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. Uh, and uh, Gemma and Joanne did just want to say sorry that they weren't able to come on and speak to you on this episode. Oh, but it's, right. uh, who knows, in the future, you may be able to pull it together. So we're all here. So as I, as we always sign off on this, uh, I think I have been talking of Codswallop this week. So <laughs> Uh, I will finish on that. So I have been James. This has been Kristen. And thank you so much for uh, for listening to us. And thank you for coming on, Kristen. It's been wonderful. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. I've loved just listening to your accent. So. <laughs>